Hello, podcast people. You just made my day. Hi, folks. How you doing? This is James Kennison, and you're listening to a very special episode, an unnumbered episode, a two-part mini-series of the Made My Day podcast, where I've invited my spouse, Jennifer, to join me on the show and do what we've been threatening to do for quite a while, and that is tell our story, a story that starts several years back um, and ends it doesn't really end because we're still going through the end of it. But my wife and I hit record last night and talked about my depression, um, my anxiety issues, um, my bipolarism, and how that totally changed my personality and our lives, you know, leading to me having to you know, quit my job a year ago because of it. When we hit stop on the record button, it was an hour and 47 minutes or so. So what we've done is split that into two fairly even halves. This is part one. I hope you will enjoy it. I hope it'll mean something to you. I hope you'll get something out of it. It's just us being honest, just sharing what we're, what we're, what we've been through. Make sure you listen to both halves and we'll see you here next time for a regular episode of uh, made my day podcast. We now join the recording already in progress. I've referenced several times, uh, my my struggles with depression, anxiety, bipolarism, how sudden, you know, it, it kind of came on and all this kind of stuff. But I, I realized that telling it myself wouldn't be doing the story, um, wouldn't be doing it right, because there's two sides of this story. And so today I have invited my wife. Her name is Jennifer. Welcome to the show, Jen. Hi, thanks. No problem. I'm glad you've done this. This is the first time we've recorded since October of 2012. Wow. At least. I, I haven't looked at the exact dates, but that is the date in history that all my podcasting stopped. That's right. All in the same month. This show is going to be weird and hard because we don't have a calendar, you know, and even a timeline of bullet list of things that happened in the order they happened in. Um, I'm also at a disadvantage because I have to rely on things that I wrote um, after the worst was over, um, uh, specifically a, 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 an article that I put up called How Depression Has you know, Devastated My Life. And anytime I tell the story, I have to refer back to that because I was, as I, was I was miserable during the mm-hmm. worst part of it. But you, um, you experienced it too. And I know our listeners are interested in the story, and I know they're even more interested in hearing your side of it. So let's begin um, at the beginning. And to do that, how many years would we have to go back uh, now, you know, hindsight being 2020, when do we need to start the story? Um, you know, if, if we really, really look back, uh, thinking about all the all the things that we didn't know were depression, but but probably were part of the whole group, um, we'd almost have to go back to when Jenna was small. I, I think that's when I remember things, you know, you starting to struggle with things. And, um, and I think mostly at that time you struggled a lot with sleep. Yeah. Um, that was really the only thing. I don't, I don't All remember. All of a sudden I couldn't go to 
I couldn't sleep at night. Yeah, you weren't sleeping at night, which bled into your exhausted during the day. You had a hard time getting up for work. My, my mind wouldn't shut off. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, as far as looking back, and you know, she's nine years old, nine and a half. Yeah. So that's been a long, long time. But, um, you know, obviously, th- I think things started to, to show themselves a lot when Jay was a baby, um, which he's six. So it would have been back to when we were in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. And um, there were a lot of struggles going on in Kansas City, um, you know, where you were, just just different things, got kind of a, a change. Some, some in, to do with my job, some yeah. things that changed at the mm-hmm. job, yeah. Yeah, and, and just things. And, you know, I, I looking back, I, I think it's the periods of stress, obviously, that really triggered the symptoms to get worse. And, and that particular time in Kansas City, it was pretty stressful. I remember my... You, you, it's interesting that you talked about the sleeplessness, and and I remember that. I remember it very vividly. Uh, had I started it without, you know, and that's why you're here. I would have started it with the um, with the feelings that I had of general doom. Mm-hmm. I just suddenly started feeling like everything I did was doomed, and and you know me better than anyone. I am someone that by default. I, if if there's a positive outcome to hope for, I'm the guy pulling for that outcome, believing in it blindly. If there is a task to take on, I might be intimidated by it. I might feel like I can't do it. But if I fail, it's going to be after I've tried every single thing possible to beat it. You know, after I've stressed every possible right. stress, and suddenly, oh, and I'm the guy that loves people. Yeah. To be around groups of people, to to be in front of people, um, to to do theme parks and beaches and all this stuff the whole time we were dating, the whole time, you know, before we had children. And suddenly, all of a sudden, things started changing in me very, very slowly. Like you said, very slowly. First it was a sleeplessness, and then that would lead to uh the inability to be able to to be able to focus during the day. But couple that with the feelings of, of doom, just this this feeling of, of distress. And at the time, I didn't know what to blame, and neither did you. I blamed, um, I blamed my spirituality for mm-hmm. a while. I thought yeah. there's got to be something I'm doing wrong that is opening a door for this. You know, I'm not committed to God enough, or I am. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing, even though I was working as a full-time children's pastor in an inner city church, helping people, blessing people, doing the best I could. Um, I, I still felt that way. What, what, what other, I don't know, uh, symptoms or things did you start to see other than the sleeplessness? And the feeling, I mean, obviously you can't explain the feelings I was feeling. Right. I I think there was a gradual um, move from from being around people socially. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you were always a very social one. And I remember there were a lot of times throughout our marriage where I thought, you know, I was tired. I didn't feel like getting together with people. And you loved getting together with people and and doing things and and going places. And gradually that that began to change. You know, it yeah. seemed like the things that you used to really enjoy, you, you just weren't interested anymore. And and the change was so gradual at the time. I, I don't even think I realized it or I just took it as that was your preference at the moment. And well, well, we didn't link it. 
You didn't yeah. link it together. You know, here's this feeling of doom. Here's sleeplessness. Here's this thing where he doesn't suddenly want to go out as much or hang around people as much or isn't, mm-hmm. isn't, it's a, it's a thing now, you know, like, like it's, it's something I have to talk him into rather than, you know, he's urging us to go. And yeah, it was so, it was like the boiling the frog analogy. It was such a slow thing that we didn't even know to connect all of that together. I remember at the same time, I was also having mood swings and we, we wouldn't, we didn't know it at the time, but all of a sudden I was, I would just go from normal to being very, very angry, mm-hmm. almost yeah. over stupid stuff, just yeah. over nothing. And I could feel it. It was like inside me, I was like, this is stupid. You're not this mad. You're, this is insane. What are you doing? And, but then there's this part of me that felt like I was being hurt like I was being offended, like nobody loved me or cared about me. And I was having to fight, you know, for that. And, and luckily most of that was a lot of screaming and yelling, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, in, in Kansas city, it was so slight and, and that, that we, we did go to a doctor and we did get on some medication, some basic medication, yeah, which was, was a just, huge step for us. It was a general doctor. We, um, we had a, a friend, you know, who kind of led us in that direction. And, and he was you a know, counselor, licensed he, counselor. He knew, you know, and could identify that, yeah, it, it could be a physical thing as well as a mental thing. And yeah, he was the first one to say depression. Yeah. That it could be depression. And I had a lot of, I had a lot of things. I didn't, I didn't want to do medication. My right. father had been on medication. My mother had been on medication. They had been, they had struggled with depression and bipolarism, all these different things. And I wasn't going to be that. I was going to choose to be different as if I had a choice. But yeah, you, you went to a, your general practitioner and you got, um, something. Yeah. I think it's Cymbalta. It yeah. was, it was Cymbalta. So it's just, you know, a very mild antidepressant that, you know, I think a lot of people go on. I, I don't think doctors hesitate too much to prescribe that because huh. it's, it's, you and know, it did, it worked. It, it really did. It made a big difference. You, you became much more evened out. Uh, and you know, some of the situations changed a little bit that, that were causing some of the stress so. right. and the doom, you know, that, that feeling yeah. of doom lifted, that, that so. was awesome. And, um, and, and so for a period of time for quite a while, mm-hmm. actually, I think it put a halt on the, the outward signs of what was brewing, you know, right. apparently the entire time. Um, eventually though, uh, things at work got, just, I don't know. It got stressful. I'll just say that. And it was to the point that I blamed my job for the way I was feeling. And and in reality, what was happening is the Cymbalta was slowly losing its uh, potency or yeah, whatever. Its it, effectiveness. It, yeah, yeah, it wasn't having the same effect mm-hmm. that it once had. And um, I didn't want to be on more of it. Right. I think we did. I think we did, but I'm I'm not sure. I'm not I'm fuzzy on that. But I was so so. What we did, Jen Jen and I sat down one day and we decided um, that it was time for a change in our life. And so, we, one of the first changes we decided is we wanted to raise our kids around family, and that meant immediately that we were going to be moving from Kansas City, somewhere between North Carolina and Florida. Yeah, we didn't know where. And long story short, we found this place here in St. Pete and we moved here and, 
And I was absolutely so convinced that my problems were related to the stress of my job um, that I completely expected to be totally fine to the point that I didn't even tell my boss anything about my history at all. You remember? We, we right. didn't, we didn't tell really, anything. And there really, you know, there wasn't that much to there tell. There wasn't. Uh, but, we didn't know anything. But or I, had, or I had been struggling with not wanting to go in to yeah. work, not being able to face people. I had, I, you know, I was going into the office at times and turning out the light and just, you know, that feeling of not wanting to be messed with or bothered or, you know, just praying not to be uh, t- uh, talked to or anything. I had emptied my office of all of the Buzz Lightyear stuff that, you know, was a fun thing for me to have a, mm-hmm. you know, being a children's pastor, having a, a, an office full of things that I enjoyed and collectibles and th- stuff that, you know, I would show off to kids. You know, all of the fun of my job had melted away, all of those things. And I expected that when we left, all that would go away. So you're right in that there wasn't much to tell, but there was, if I had thought for a minute that, that, that it was going to continue. Yeah. Well, in less than a year's time, I would say the symptoms yeah, once, up. once the new of being here wore off and, and the, the realization that obviously where you were wasn't the problem, Mm-hmm. then um, I, I think you really started to struggle. Um, one thing that, that I think helped is I, I was around. I was home with the kids, so I was helping you out at the church a couple of days a week. I was kind of around. So I, th- I think that kind of kept things from getting too terribly stressful, but you you weren't happy. You were miserable. You you were struggling. You, le- you didn't want to – you were continuing down the road of not wanting to be around people, Um it's tired all the time, you know, except at night. Exactly. Which is always fun. And then, you know, one, one thing I do remember about the time, you know, that kind of sticks out is, you know, we were so excited to move to Florida and be within driving distance of Disney World. Mm-hmm. And we got tickets and, and visited here and there, you know, a couple different times for a couple different things. And it, it just got to where you absolutely hated going. You know, you hated being there. You couldn't handle being around people. That it just, it was the most miserable event of your life. And this is something that, you know, years before you had completely enjoyed. Yeah. You know, theme parks were always my idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I I wasn't even that crazy about them at first. If we were going to do something, and if it was a vacation, there was a theme park involved. Exactly. And, um, yeah, you just got to where you did not want to be around people. And I think, you know, being in the massive crowds of people at places like Disney World really brought that out. Now, this is a key part of the story because this is after we'd moved here, but it's before, well before I'd lost, you know, finally turned in my badge on my job. Mm -hmm. It was also before we knew what was going on, really. Right. Um. And it was right around that time, somewhere in there. It was, I think, it was even before we had gone to a, a, a specialist. A, uh, way before, yeah, way before. And it was also before you understood. I mean, if I didn't understand it, how in the world were you going to understand it? What were the, the the signs of depression, especially the early ones? Um, unfortunately, smack of laziness. It seems like uh, you just. You don't want to do things that are fun anymore. And how did how did all of that affect you 
Um, you know, I was changing, but we didn't know it was an illness. You just thought it was maybe laziness, like I said, about not wanting to get up and go to work, you know, feelings. What were some of the things that went through your mind during that time? And what did you do to try to fix me? Well, I mean, I was very frustrated, especially, you know, the, the going on to trips like that where you didn't want to do anything and uh, you didn't didn't want to be around. People. Oh, I wanted to. I yeah. just couldn't. Yeah. And the symptoms that I noticed, obviously, is, you know, you didn't want to be around people and you, you got to where you didn't want to do anything. It's like we'd hit the weekend and I'd want to do stuff on the weekends. I'd want to do stuff with the kids, especially when the kids were younger. I mean, even now, having them cooped up in the house all day is just not not fun. You know, I'm always yeah. eager to get them out of the house. I feel like they, they need to be out and it, it drives me less crazy. Well, and you were home all day. Yeah, exactly. I was working all day. I wanted to stay home because I I hated the work day. I hate, mm-hmm. you know, it was just getting through the day, doing what I had to do, smiling at the right people, saying the right things, you know, and there were good times. There were up and down times. But then getting home, it was like, oh, finally. Yeah. And so, yeah, you extremely wanted to do something different than your week. And I extremely wanted to do something different than my week. Right. It clashed. It, it, yeah. And I had a really hard time because, you know, obviously with two, with two smaller children, you know, anything you do by yourself is 10 times harder than, you know, with somebody. Plus, it's just it's not as fun. It's lonely to, to take them a place and they're running off doing their thing and you're just sitting there. Mm-hmm. Um, and but I really felt that you felt, you know, we're down and you would be happier if you could just get out. Yeah. I thought, oh, well, if I can just get him in the sunshine, get him to the beach, get him, you know, going something, going to a movie, doing an event, you know, it would it would kind of get you out of your funk. Like you would just you would enjoy it once you were there and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it it never worked. No. And during this period of time, um, it was before the worst. And during this time, I can remember and I, I remember telling you later that it's like I had a certain amount of energy every day, like a like a set amount. And once that energy was gone, it was gone. But the thing is, everything subtracted from that energy, whether it was something negative and stressful, as like you would expect to drain your energy or, or work that's enjoyable, but still stressful, you know, mm-hmm. or draining, but also movies, talking to my kids, hanging out with my family, going to the beach, going to something that's supposed to be fun also drained that energy in the exact same way. And so if you even got me out to do something, I came back worse off mm-hmm. than I was before I left. Yeah. I remember that. And wow. that was frustrating for you. And you would try, you would try to urge me to do things, you know, you need to exercise. Maybe you need to take vitamin D, you know, 15 yeah. minutes out in the sun a day, James, and you'll have, you know, the vitamin D you need. Well, yeah. I mean, I, bl- I blamed it all on your normal reasons for being sluggish. I mean, sometimes, you know, everybody goes through those points where they just feel kind of lousy. And if they, if they get out and do something, most of the time that lifts. I mean, when you're dealing with normal circumstances, obviously we weren't, but we had no idea. But, um, but yeah, none of those things, um, you know, we're even coming close to doing anything good. It was around that time that I met with my pastor for the first time and kind of told him what was going on. I said, I am 
I'm dealing with the symptoms of depression and here's how it's affecting me. At the time, there wasn't anything drastic that I needed to report. It was just almost like a warning of here's where I was at at Sheffield where I worked. Here's how bad it got there. And it's feeling like it's going to get that way here. Because at the time, like I said, you were working with me. I think that helped me a lot. I was still tired. I was still sneaking naps during lunch period. But I was pretty much able to function because you were there with me. But I sat and met with him. And I told him that I was on medication. And the immediate response, it wasn't a negative thing. It wasn't a mean thing. It was just what Christian people generally say and think when they hear somebody's on medication for depression or anything in the mental area, he, he just kind of casually said, and he's the nicest guy in the world, but he casually said, well, hopefully we can get you off that. Something to that effect. And so when I left that meeting, that was my goal to get off my medication. It wasn't working anyway, in, right. in my opinion. Um, I was struggling even with it. And so I went cold turkey off Cymbalta, which if you read online about Cymbalta, you don't want to, you don't want to go cold turkey. They, uh, when you do, when you do go off Cymbalta, if you do it with a doctor, they will actually give you stronger medications for a period of time to help you wean off of it. Cause your brain just goes nuts, but I didn't know any better. Mm-hmm. And I kid you not, I had what I would call brain zaps and a high-pitched whine in my head, almost like a bad audio connection, for a period of four months. Yeah, it was a long time. It was ridiculous. Four months, almost half a year. Well, and at the time, you were seeing a general practitioner who who subscri- or prescribed the medicine, but... Well, he was an old guy. He, he, he wasn't aware of the side effects of going off of it. Plus, you know, you went off of it without even, you know, it's not yeah, like you went and talked and talked to him. But yeah, it's funny because, you know, when you did start seeing the psychiatrist fast-forwarding a ways, and, and um, I think you were still on it. And, and I had, yeah, I jumped back on it just out of desperation. And he... um he gave you medicine to wean you off it. And I think it took like a week or something. I mean, it, and it was nothing. Ugh. It was like, and it, yeah, it was another, it's another antidepressant they give you to, to help you wean off of it. But well, it naturally when I took, when I got off the medication and the side effects of the withdrawals hit me, I, you know, I, I made a silent vow once again, you know, the, I, this was confirmation to me that I don't need to be on medication. I can do this without it. Mm-hmm. I will never get back on this stuff ever again because look at what it's it's created a dependency of some kind. It it makes me feel like I you know it didn't I didn't feel like I needed it. it just it just made me miserable not to be on it. And so I I got online and I did my research and I tried to buy a bunch of um, supplements mm-hmm. for a period of time and I I, I um, hoped and prayed that they would. Uh, you know, I can't even remember what all of them are. I mean, the normal ones like St. John's Wort and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I, I started doing, um, I don't remember when I started doing uh, fish oil, but, you know, I, I tried just vitamin D, vitamin whatever, E, you know, everything that I could read online and to no avail. It didn't do anything. And and right about, if I'm remembering my timeline correctly, about a few months before you decided to go off of it, I started back to work. 
Yeah. I think. So I was yeah, it was time for Jen to go back to work. She was an awesome mom and she did a wonderful job with our kids. And I can say that that she worked harder than most stay at home moms and did a better job than most because she despised <laughs> a lot of it. <laughs> My wife is uh is a is a person who enjoys using her brain and working and and, and it's not a selfish thing. It is uh it is something that I've come to uh, understand and respect and something that I'm so glad that we allowed in our family because when I, when I turned in my, you know, keys and lost a paycheck, you know, it was that that ultimately saved us financially and, and allowed us to, to at least be able to coast through on that plane, that, right. that level of things. But to back up a little bit, what I remember when I met with my older doctor for the last time, I had told him about my problems with Cymbalta. I told him that it wasn't working as well, and that I wanted to get off it. And he looked at me like I was crazy. Um, I told him about the side effects that I was experiencing, and that you know the the internet had kind of said maybe there was something that I could take temporarily to ease that up. And he flatly said there are no side effects to getting off Cymbalta. <laughs> And that's when I knew that he stopped learning about stuff about 20 years ago. Yeah. You know? well, the probably wasn't there. Yeah. 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 And so we switched to a younger yeah. and, doctor. And, Nothing against old guys. We just. And, and we did have some trouble switching. It took a little while because they, they were in the same, you know, St. Pete's not that big. They were in the same, you know, system, serve the same hospital. So it was. It, they they gave us a hard time at first about switching because yeah because they have like an anti competitive type mm-hmm. of thing you know yeah but they didn't eventually end up switching and um, we met with that doctor who who was still a general practitioner um, and uh, we met with him and he and in fact I went with you to the the appointment because you just I don't know you I needed could, help I couldn't do it you yeah. Couldn't, yeah and um, he just basically took one look at you and it's like, this is, you know, more than your issues are beyond what I can offer. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and he did put you back on some sort of medicine. Um, but he basically gave you a list of psychiatrists and said, yeah. you know, he was, he was almost apologetic about it. And normally, you know, six months ago, a year ago, I would have wanted him to be apologetic. But at the time when he said he he was like, I, I, you know, you could tell he was being very careful in saying, I want to suggest a psychiatrist for you uh, or maybe your situation would be better served by someone like a psychiatrist. At that point, though, I was so down. I was so ready for anything because I was on the verge of losing my job or having to give it up. I was on the verge of everybody knowing that I was depressed and that I was struggling. Cause at this point I'd done a pretty good job at keeping up appearances, even to a point um, before, you know, my wife even noticed I, I would, I hid a lot of the times that I stayed home from work. You know, I did not want to uh, be a burden or a stress, but at this point, there was nothing to lose and everything to gain. And so though I didn't want to be on medication, though I wanted a natural solution or even a spiritual one, um, I realized that just wasn't going to happen. This was something that was happening. It was getting worse. And this was hope. 
And, you know, backing up just a little bit, you also had been going through panic attacks. Yeah. Which I don't even know if we knew what it was. You know, didn't know what it was at first. It's the most miserable thing I've ever know, experienced. And, and I thought it was caffeine. Yeah, which, you know, and, and really backing off on the caffeine helped for a short amount of time. Yeah, yeah. Because you were having them terribly. And then they went away for quite a while. But then in the midst of all this, everything started coming back. And uh, so, yeah, you were you were dealing with panic attacks. You were dealing with just this horrible depression. Yeah. And, uh just basically, you know, a lot of time in my bedroom, curled up in the fetal position or or with a with a pillow or my fists wedged against my chest to try to counteract the horrible feeling of uh pressure that I felt there cuz at the time we didn't know they were panic attacks. No. You know, and that I was experiencing constant panic panic attacks and that with very few breaks in between. Well, and then the circumstances of life kept make you know, it was kind of like a chain reaction. You know, you'd, you'd have them about not being able to do what you needed to do, and then you couldn't do what you needed to do, so you'd have more because of the effect on this or that, or, you know, it, it was just terrible. But, yeah, I remember seeing you just, you know, balled up in pain. I mean, it it would be, I guess, the same, I don't know if it's the same, but similar to watching someone suffer from, you know, an awful illness or something. You were just in horrible pain, you know, and just crying and, and upset. And I didn't know what to do with it. I couldn't even imagine, you know, what was going on or why. And, um, well, that's the joke about, or not the joke, the trick about depression is it, is it wrecks everything about you and takes everything that you're good at and destroys it. And then it makes you feel guilty about not being able to do any of that stuff, which then adds just double mm-hmm. of whatever on top of that. It's like you should be able to just get up and go. You should be able to just get out of bed. What's the, Why can't you just get out of bed? What's the deal with a shower? Why can't you go take a shower? Why does taking a shower seem like it is going to take forever and be the longest, most stressful, hardest thing you've ever done in your entire life? That's That's the way depression is. And there would be times that my wife would have to she would never yell or, I don't know, She, you, on Sunday mornings, when it was the big show, you know, Sunday morning, time to do children's church, stuff I prepared for all week, and I couldn't get out of bed, I'm crying my eyes out, can't even get started, and you saw me um, sometimes just not feel better, just have to just roll out of bed and walk yeah. toward the shower and cry in the shower, and then... Somehow or another, between then and stage time, I'd I'd be fine for a while. And then after church. Yeah. Now, I remember watching you up on stage and being absolutely amazed that an hour ago, I was absolutely convinced you would not get out of bed. And, uh, like, how how could that possibly be the same person? But, yeah, it seemed like the minute, the minute that you walked off stage and the kids, you know, were picked up and all that kind of stuff. The minute your responsibilities ended for the day, I mean, you were, you were done. Yep. You were done for the rest of the day. You usually went straight to bed and I, you know, didn't usually see you till much later, but, um, yeah, that, that took all your energy. So what were some of your fears and the things that you dealt with during this period? You know, watching me 
So, you know, because at this period we knew we had been given some diagnoses, you know, I'd mm-hmm. seen my psychiatrist. He had, he immediately said, Oh yeah, you're depressed. And, and my, not only that, you're bipolar. Yeah, you know, which, which was a surprise. Which I didn't believe either and and was the one thing I had decided I wasn't going to be. I even put it in my journal, I'm not going to be bipolar. Because at the time I somehow thought it's a mental thing so you can just choose yeah. not to. It's right? like when I decided that I wasn't in labor with Jay <laughs> and yeah. then I had a baby three hours later. Yeah, so. it, you don't get to choose some things. <laughs> no. um, and I think people think that. I think they think if you just think positive, if you just think happy thoughts – the depression goes away, but it doesn't work that way. It seems like it should, but it doesn't. Well, I think um, there's there's a problem with the terminology of depression because depression means the widest variety that you could imagine. I mean, depression to some people means, oh, I don't, I'm just kind of down today. Yeah, I, I ran out. Of, I didn't get coffee this morning. I'm yeah, depressed. Or you know, I'm sad about my favorite TV show's not on. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Or um. But you know, then then you've got the major depressive disorder. That well, even you between there, though, you've got the depression that is legit, but it is circumstantial, like right. like uh, postpartum depression and post traumatic stress and things. This is where you you have something happen to you and you get down, but then can't get out of it yourself. And medication usually helps. Right. This stuff that I'm dealing with has the same name. Like my wife was pointing out, but it is not based on anything that's going on in your life. Because outside of my depression and the way I felt about life and the problems that I was causing for our family, what was wrong in our life? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Yeah. Which was another thing that tortured me constantly is you're the only reason anything sucks in this family, you know. And and you start. I, I never had suicidal thoughts. I can say that honestly, but I have definitely been in periods of time where I didn't want, I wished I had never been born, which I think is a close cousin to that. And I also had feelings that helped me understand why people would think that suicide is the solution for their depression, because your mind convinces you that, and and it's not just that it lies to you. It tells you the truth. It says you are a burden to your family, you, they were worried about you, everything you were doing, you're not doing, they could depend on you, now they can't, and then the lie comes and says they'd be better off without you. And that is a lie, but it feels like the biggest truth of all. And so you begin to think thoughts that it's not, I, I used to think people that committed suicide were very selfish and very, you know, all oh, you can't handle that. You couldn't handle your own problems. So you took the easy way out. I've heard people call it that. I've probably called it the easy way out, but now I understand it's because a lot of times people think they're doing their family a favor. They do it because they love their family, which is so, how it shows you how twisted that uh, depression can, can make you. And another thing, you know, just watching you go through it, I mean, the physical suffering is incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, when there, it, it's it's so crazy because there's nothing physically wrong. You know, it's it's not like you, you know, if you if you broke your leg and you're in pain, you know why, and it makes sense. But there there's nothing that causes it 
but you know, it's still, you know, just horrible suffering. I mean, just, just what I watched you go through at different times, you know, and there was, there was a, a good period of time between, you know, seeing the doctor and then it took a while to get a, an appointment with the psychiatrist. And there was just a long time where the panic attacks were constant and the pain was constant. And there was no, I mean, we didn't even know what it was. No. We didn't even know why. We just, it was like, you know, we had just had no idea. And then when you finally did go to the doctor and they're like, it's, you're bipolar and you're having, anxi- you know, panic attacks and anxiety and, you know, the depression. It's like, oh, okay, I had three or four different things that needed to be treated. Yeah, you know, yeah. one just one little thing. And, you know, throwing some Baltub at it was like, you know, you split your head open and it's bleeding. And, and so you, here's a Band-Aid. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it just wasn't, it was never going to be enough. Um, it was never going to fix anything. Was there ever a time before we knew what was going on that you were angry with me? Oh, I, I was constantly angry. I thought that if you just could, if you could just pull it together and get out of bed and just do what you're supposed to do, then the feelings would come. I'm like, you just need to, you know, there's tons of times when I don't want to get up for work because I'm tired or I don't feel like it. Or, you know, mostly, you know, I was very angry and I pushed you constantly if, you know, you just need to be different. You need to do this. You need to do that. Because like you said, I mean, it looked like you're just being lazy a lot of times. Or it looked like you just didn't care or you didn't want anything to do with anybody. Yeah, it, it did look that way. And and I I don't know, I can't answer it because there was a there's a truth to it. I, I suddenly didn't want to, to go to work. Yeah. You know? I wanted to want to. I wanted things to be normal. I wanted to be the best I could be. I wanted to not let anyone down. But at the same time, it, 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 but it, but it's not the same as when you feel lazy. I thought I was being lazy even. Yeah. But you know, looking Except back. Except that I wanted to be better. Lazy people don't want to be better. No, they just want to get away with what they can get away with. Yeah. But you know, no, knowing now what, um, what, what was going on, you know, there did finally hit a point and I think it was, it was a ways down the road of all this that I finally realized and fully started to comprehend, or, or I guess face it, you know, a lot of my anger was fear mm. because I was scared. You know, our whole life was wrapped up in your job. All of our friends were at your job. You know, we, it was the church we went to. It was all the kids' friends. The church, um, you know, you being a pastor at the church meant that the kids went to the private school attached to the church for free. So, which, which turned out to be an awesome school. Yeah, which was a great school. And the kids, you know, my daughter had got, or our daughter <laughs> had gone there, um, you know, since kindergarten. And so it was, it was just a really huge deal. Everything in our life was tied up there. You know, the only thing that was, was not tied up in there was my job. You know, which I didn't like at all at the time. So it didn't, you know, that, that didn't, well, and it was kind of outside of everything anyway. But, you know, every friend we had, everybody we knew in St. Pete, you know, outside of the few people I knew at work, it went to that church or were tied to that school. Yeah. I mean, it's the reason we came. Yeah. And it, it was the center of our social network, our spiritual network, you know, and financially and, and even scholastically, you know, or yeah. whatever. And so it was going to have such a big effect on the kids. 
Um, you know, our son went to daycare there. Our daughter went to school there. You know, we- so I kept it hidden. I didn't tell anybody. Um, there was a period though. We went to my boss a second time and kind of told him, Hey, I am seeing a doc. I went, Jen, Jen went with me and I said, I'm seeing a doctor. We're, we're trying to get better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, basically asked for, for permission to be a little bit broke, mm-hmm. broken, you know, like I'm not going to be my hundred percent, but I will be eventually. Is that okay? And we totally expected, you might remember what, what did you totally expect to happen at that meeting? Do you remember? Um, for them to fire you. Yeah. On the yeah. spot. Mm-hmm. And we were shocked when we, you know, experienced grace. Uh, pastor was like, Oh no, no, you know, We've all been through these kind of, you know, periods and stuff like that. And, um, and so we walked out feeling, feeling a lot better mm-hmm. about that specifically, but that slow progress that this thing made continued. And, um, and then we, uh, you finally saw the psychiatrist in there, you know, it probably between the time you went off of Zimbalta, which I think was around March it was September when you saw the psychiatrist. So this whole period of six months when it was really bad, when things were really difficult, um, you know, and I got worse and worse. Well, finally we get to the psychiatrist and he prescribed something to you. Yeah. And it worked. That worked. I mean, all of a sudden you were yourself again. You wanted to do things. You had all kinds of energy. You were, you know, doing. Unfortunately, this was after a two week trip. To Missouri, right, where I did two weeks of kids camp, and um, almost died. I mean, not literally, almost died, but just yeah. I that first week and, and just getting there, it was some of the worst. And I had my daughter with me, which I thought would be a help, and it was. But what it meant was I couldn't fall apart, you know, and yeah. I had to hold it all in, which hurt so much more. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, you didn't have any time alone to regroup yeah the second week i did i had her you know do the camp itself you know she was involved mm-hmm. and it was but then i had a great time you know later on we find out you know well you're bipolar yeah so you go through these times of hyper energy hyper creativity and it and it and in me that's what it did it it would get me really excited about my job really excited about doing things i'd fill my calendar um, and this went on for years, actually. Yeah, you've always you've always been like that. And then, boom! I would go down, and about the time that stuff started rolling around, the things that I'd booked, the the stuff that I had to do, I'd be in my low period. And what I learned to do, and I'm backing up to Kansas City here, is I learned not to be creative and not to be out of the box. I learned how to maintain because I could not depend on myself to be able to do the things that I wanted to do when I was up. Mm-hmm. And fast forward now to my second job here in Florida, and I began to move in maintenance mode too. And but as time went by, um, you know, I had my ups and downs. We'll talk about the medication up and downs, but but in the big picture, things started dropping off that I was supposed to do, things that I was supposed to be at, things you know, performances I was supposed to make or even just a candy machine that I was supposed to get filled. Eventually all I could do was the bare minimum, which was prepare and perform a service on, on Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. 
but yeah, we went to the we went to the doctor, got something that worked. It was awesome for for a limited time. And then is this the one I had the 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 rash? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he told me before he gave it to me. He's like one in twenty thousand people or whatever get this rash, and if you get the rash, you got to tell me immediately because if the rash continues, you will die. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, cool, whatever. You know, I'm never that guy. And um, it it this stuff worked. I was back to normal. It was awesome. Clear skies. Everything was going to be great. And then I got this weird rash on the back of my legs. I had to come in for an emergency type of cons- you know, consultation. He looked at him. He's like, yeah, that's the, that's the rash. And I was just yanked off of that medication and I, I crashed. Yeah. You know, my, well, I, I say I crashed. That sounds like drugs. Um, I went back to what was normal at the time, which was in hor- you know, horrible pain, constant panic attacks, Depression, terrible thoughts. Because on top of taking you off of that, he wanted to put you on medicines very slowly. Yeah. So you needed about four different types of medicines to deal with your four different types of condition. So he, you know, started you off on on one of the more mild. Well, things. lithium was was lithium. a given, and that yeah. helped with the bipolarism. He had to deal with my uh, sleeplessness. He had to deal with my depression, and he had to deal with my anxiety. I didn't understand it. She didn't understand it at the time. But yeah, he had to work on one thing because he had to find out what was affecting what. Mm-hmm. And if you're on two things, you do it at the same time. And you're, how do you know what effects to attribute to what medication? And so it was a horrible waiting game of, because if it worked, it worked and it was great. But if it didn't, it didn't work for two weeks, you know, or yeah. actually I think we were meeting at a weekly schedule. But it would be a minimum of two weeks before he would pull it or try something else because he wanted right. to make sure. Because it took a while for all the stuff to get through your system, yeah. And it was, and he he did it very slow because you had a tendency to to um, have allergic reactions to things. Yep. Because you went on, I think three, you did three different things that caused some sort of reaction. Yeah. Uh, right in the beginning. So then, yeah, then he's slowly putting you on things, and the initial medicine that he'd given you would have dealt with a couple of those problems at once, but you couldn't take those. So you were having to, he was having to piecemeal it together with, you know, three different medicines to, um, to do, to deal with the three different problems. So I, I remember three times things working. Is that correct? Uh, of medicine. having ups and downs, there's you know those kind of. There were two, 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 okay. two medicines. Okay. One, one, the first one that gave you the rash. The second one caused you the muscle pain. Okay, the second one though was the best. He gave me this stuff and it worked great. And he told me it runs the risk of overstimulating you. And at that point, I was feeling nothing. Like I wasn't able to feel good. I wasn't able to feel pleasure. I wasn't able to enjoy anything, my kids, whatever. So I was desperate and um, put me on this stuff and immediately, boom, I'm, I'm raring to go, dude. And I did some of the most creative work I've ever done in ministry during that period of time. I, my, my services got really involved. I did a series on post-it notes from God and I did post-it note art and had the kids do their own. And, and I created all these, um, uh, illustrations, you know, and things like that. Do you remember all that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was great. It was awesome. And then the stuff started, it, it did overstimulate me, but I didn't want to tell anybody because I figured, you know what, being a little 
hepped up, being a little, you know, fidgety, feeling like I'm on too much caffeine, that's fine because of the benefits. You know, maybe it's just a side effect. Uh, but it got worse and it got to the point that I felt like I needed every single cell in my body to be touched at one time. Like and a shower would be the only thing that would help that because I could feel every single individual drop of water. Um, but it also made it to where I couldn't raise my arms. <laughs> it was so weird. Um, the If you've ever hung sheetrock all day on the ceiling and then – you know, at the end of the day, try to raise your arms and you just, oh, it just hurts. It can't, you know, it's just too much strain on your muscles. That's what I was going through to the point that I was trying to finish those post-it note things at the end of the, you know, on mm-hmm. a Saturday or Friday night. And I couldn't, I mean, it was the hardest job in the world because I had to lift my arms a hundred million times making this post-it note pixel art. So, um, I also had at the time signed up to do a, um, a Christmas play with a co, you know, co-pastor friend mm-hmm. of mine. She was very thrilled. I even went to one of the practices and, mm-hmm. you know, everybody seemed to be really happy about my performance. And then they pulled me off the medicine. Thanks for listening to the first half of two parts of our depression story. The next episode will continue the story. So check it out.